0: As I've been working on this sermon series about the Holy Spirit for the past number of weeks, I've also been reflecting on my time at the King's University College in Edmonton. Probably because of my sermon series, but also because I'm watching my oldest daughter, Kara, step into the academic world and begin university this fall herself. And it's been fun. And as I was reflecting, I was thinking about my theology prof, Dr. Herring, who had bushy hair and a big beard. It was quite tall. And my first impression was an Old Testament prophet who'd stepped out of the Bible to teach us intro to theology. I was thinking about one of my philosophy professors, Dr. Skirman, the small man who talked with his hands all the time. Very different people, but in reflection, they had a similar approach to teaching us. In theology at a Christian university, your intro class is always going to have a bunch of people who feel they know all the answers because they aced Sunday school every single year. Um, nobody ever fails Sunday school, so they thought, hey, I'm doing great. Dr. Herring would regularly put us in a position to step aside from our assumptions and to wrestle with Scripture and what God was saying. So instead of asking us to write about creation in general, he'd say, "Which creation account did you prefer? Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, since there's two different accounts? And people were like, no, there's not. there's only one and people would be so upset until they started wrestling and reflecting. I was like, wow, maybe everything I learned in kindergarten and Sunday school isn't all that there is. Who knew? And we were always left with this sense of, are we going to keep wrestling and learning and growing or just walk away? Same thing with Dr. Skirman. We're working through the wonderful book of Plato's Republic in my intro philosophy class. And he'd ask us questions. And like most ambitious 18-year-old first-year university students, we were sure we had the right answer to every question we are asked. I mean, we're 18. What else is there to know? We must know everything because we're 18. we got to have all the answers. And every time, even when I think he agreed, he had just the right question to, to cause us to question and think deeper and broader and second guess, but even explore more and have a better grounded answer or rethink our answer. And it often left us humbled or unsure of ourselves. And now I have this daughter in university. I'm hearing her share her thoughts and even sometimes frustrations, Frustrated because of the rigidity of some of the things she's being taught but also excitement in some of the assignments she's taking. I like her philosophy class especially. kind of biased since I was a philosophy major. Uh, But she she has this wonderful professor who's given her this assignment of going to five locations uh, and writing at each one whether that's a place of belief or doubt. And I find myself quite liking that assignment realizing how different I would do that assignment now when I was just starting out in the academic world back when I was 18. And these professors all have something in common. They're not just there to teach you what answers to parent back to them. These are professors who want us to do more, who want to do more than teach answers. They want to guide us in how we think, to broaden our mind and help us get to a deeper place, a deeper understanding, and to see things differently than the way we always have. And I'm deeply indebted to both Dr. Herring and Dr. Scribman for their impact on my life and my learning, but even more so as I look back at my faith journey. These two professors helped guide me forward so I could learn and grow. And so I thought of them this week as I was working on our message. Have you had people like that in your life? People who helped shape the way you think and the way you see the world? People who changed how you wrestle with the way you saw the world and interacted with it? I suspect we all have at some point. Whether it be a friend or family member, an elementary teacher or a university professor. Maybe it was a care group that helped. I suspect we've all had a perspective changed by somebody along the way. But the largest shift in our perception is when we come to faith in Jesus and we begin to be discipled and how we see the world is transformed. At least it should be. Now the last few weeks we've referenced John 16. Ben preached from a few weeks ago when he addressed the Holy Spirit as comforter. And last week when I shared about the Holy Spirit as convictor, I referenced part of that passage as well. It's a chapter that has so much to teach us about the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to read that chapter a couple of times as we journey through this series. Today we want to hone in on one sentence in John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. This morning we're going to look at that, as the Holy Spirit is guide. And we can have many people who help guide us in this world, but none compare to the Holy Holy Spirit's work as guide. Unfortunately, I think we often downplay the role of the Holy Spirit. When we lead people to faith, as we talk about faith, we talk about heaven as if that's the sole goal of our faith. Yes, eternal life is a great part of the story, but it's not the whole story. But when we focus just on that, we downplay the importance of this world in which we live. This world God created, this world that Christ entered into, and this world that the Holy Spirit is a part of now. So when we just focus on the eternal life in heaven after we die, you know, we're turning the Holy Spirit to this almost equivalent of a movie teaser or trailer. Giving us a little taste of it, but missing out on the really important details and the larger story. And that's unfortunate. Do we actually see the Holy Spirit just as a guide to eternal life and nothing else? To get us something that gets us into heaven? I hope not. When we do that, we narrow down the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, minimizing who the Holy Spirit is. The goal of faith is not to get into heaven. The goal of faith is always a restored relationship with the Triune God. The Holy Spirit plays a large role in our entering into that restored relationship as the Holy Spirit is our guide. We're going to explore that a bit today. You see, the Holy Spirit, as we know, is fully God. The Holy Spirit is as much a tangible presence in our world today as Jesus was physically in his day. And the Holy Spirit is much as about getting bodies into heaven. But John 16 told us, tells us that the Holy Spirit is a guide, but not just any guide, a guide for us into all the truth. Now maybe we think God guiding us into the truth is like what Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. We think that God's guiding to the truth is all about the future down the road, not right now. And yes, God's guiding has to do with our future, but if we think that's the main role of God's guiding us, we need to understand passages like Jeremiah 29 a bit better before, before we use them. It sounds so encouraging and uplifting, doesn't it? But it's less about the future and more about the present. God telling the people of Israel they'll be exiled for 70 years, and there's hope in the future, but they need to continue to live in the present. So they should live their lives daily in a way that honors God. We get the habit of thinking the Holy Spirit guiding us for di- some distant future plan for us, but that's not what we see in Jeremiah. Yeah, eternity is important. Yes, God's got promises for our future, but we're never promised by God a 10-step action plan to hit our goal or what we see as God's goal. We're not promised to not have to make any decisions along the way or have it easy. The Holy Spirit's there for more than just the future or heaven. And when we see the guiding of the Holy Spirit solely as something distant and down the road, we are missing out on what the guiding of the Holy Spirit means. Ultimately, it is focused on the here and now. It is that guiding in the here and now that helps us embrace Jesus for the first time. It's the guiding of the Holy Spirit in the here and now that helps us grow in faith each day to face the challenges we have throughout life. The Holy Spirit is constantly guiding us in the here and now. We're not left to our own devices to understand everything. Rather, the Holy Spirit of God is with us. We see that promise in Hebrews thirteen five, where we read that God promises to never leave nor forsake us. The Holy Spirit is here on earth for today and tomorrow and every day to guide us. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. And the Holy Spirit never leaves or forsakes us and is here to guide us into the truth. And isn't that amazing? What an incredible gift that is. That God loves us so much. He gives us his spirit to guide us promising to never leave or forsake us, so we can be guided into the truth. The truth. Well, that's a loaded word, and any philosopher's student will tell you that. And that's always been the case. The Greek and Roman philosophers back before Jesus' time, and even during his time, they would love to stand in the public squares arguing and debating whose understanding of truth was correct. Funny enough, this COVID season has shown us that not much has changed as we stand in the virtual public squares of social media advocating for our understanding of what is true about this and about that and about politics and about COVID. I even suspect that some of us would say the Spirit led us to our understanding of these truths. After all, the Spirit guides us into all the truth, and, well, if we have the truth, it must come from the Holy Spirit. And while we have the truth, everybody else has opinions. I think that's how it works, right? But that's not the kind of truth we're talking about. We're not talking about the truths that the world holds on to, or the truths we think we know in this world and put a spiritual twist on. We're talking divine truth. Jesus' truth! And the Holy Spirit is a guide. And not just any guide, a guide into all the truth. And in the Gospel of John, we're shown truth is different than the world's truth. We see that truth is not a What? Truth is not about having a specific belief, it's not about facts we hold on to, it's not about opinions, it's not about the latest videos we've seen or blog posts we've read or stories we've heard. You may even be shocked to learn that God's truth is not the truth you think you found on the internet. I know, shocking. In the Gospel of John, the truth is not a thing, it's not a what, the truth is a who. Who? It is Jesus who declares in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is revolutionary and world-altering. The truth is someone. But there's something more than just knowing the who. To be guided into truth. You see, James 2.19 tells us you believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So the demons know who, but obviously they're not guided into the truth. So the truth we're guided into is not just knowing something, it's about a relationship, not just knowledge. In fact, the James passage is in the context of talking about how our faith needs to be lived out. It's more than knowledge. Francis Chan in his book Forgotten God and God writes, if all you want is a little Jesus to spiritualize your life, a little extra God to keep you out of hell, you're missing out on the fullness of life you were created for. The fullness is the relationship with the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is given to guide us into the life rooted in truth that is it, rooted in Jesus. The fullness of life Chan is talking about is the fullness we realize when we're guided to the truth of Jesus by the Spirit. And the fact the Spirit wishes to guide us says so much. It's not to instruct us, not to force us to do the right things, it's to guide us. And that idea of guiding carries meaning for us in our part in that relationship. It means we need to trust the one guiding us if we're going to follow the guide. We need to be in a relationship with the one guiding us, and we need to listen to the one guiding us. There's that word again. It keeps coming up in this Holy Spirit series, doesn't it? Listen. We need to learn to listen to the Spirit, and that means sometimes setting aside what we think we know and listen to the Spirit through prayer, through Scripture, and through the broader community of faith we see more in John 14 about this relationship. The Holy Spirit nurtures in us as it guides us into the truth. It tells us in verse 18 that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And later, in verses 26 to 27, we read "But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit guides us in knowing Jesus and who he is and guides us into that relationship. And in that relationship, we're guided into seeing the world, not through the lens of the world, but through the lens of the kingdom. Truth is more than a statement, a fact, or doctrine. It speaks of the reality of God accessed through Christ and in the Spirit. And that reality is lived out in the kingdom of God. The truth of Jesus is a truth that changes how we see the world and how we live in it. The Holy Spirit guides us into that change and that new way of living in the truth of Jesus. That's the truth we're guided into because truth ultimately finds its source in God. And Jesus being the truth means Jesus defines what is real and true in this world and reveals what is true about God. The Holy Spirit guides us into the truth that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we are called to live in this world as a part of the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the world. That means we don't get bogged down in the issues of the world. Rather, we look at the world through the lens of the kingdom, recognizing the full sovereignty of God, recognize that there's a larger picture than the limited perspective of this world, and that the kingdom of God is a reality that is rooted in the truth. We recognize that the issues this world faces, which are significant, pale, compared to the sovereignty of God, it doesn't mean we ignore things in the world, but it does mean we live it out with our eyes set on Jesus. Loving God and loving our neighbors and ourselves. It even means we love those we disagree with, or those who we see as our enemies, or those who we oppose. So, how do you know if you're being guided into the truth? John 14 gives us some tools to evaluate that too. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you to you as a world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you have peace, or are you anxious about things in this world? Are you getting worked up over how other people respond? Are you angry at people for how they see things differently than you? I'm going to suggest, then, that is not the truth of Christ, but how the world does things. Are you able to love your enemy? Are you able to love those who disagree with you? Are your hearts troubled, or are you afraid? Are you focused on your own conveniences? Are you comfortable sacrificing them to make others comfortable? Those are gifts the Spirit helps us live out as we are guided to the truth of who Jesus is and who is Jesus calling us to be. And we can expand on how we evaluate whether we're rooted in the truth of Christ by including the fruit of the Spirit. For rooted in the truth of Christ and the truth of Jesus and are rooted in that relationship as a part of God's kingdom here on earth, then the fruit that should be shown in our life is the fruit of the Spirit. And does your life show this to all, to all around you? Not just your family and friends, but to those... Who you struggle with or disagree? Do they see love and joy? Do they see peace and patience and kindness? What about goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Do they see those things in your life? Or do they see you self-absorbed, focused on your convenience or rights or your opinion? Or do they see one willing to patiently suffer for the Lord as Christ suffers for us? Do they see someone who loves them? If not, perhaps we need to stop and reflect. To ask God to help us to refocus on Him and not on the world. To help us to root ourselves in the truth of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is there willing to do this. But that doesn't mean we're actually willing to listen or trust the guide. Because we like to do things our own way in this world, don't we? We like to be right. We like to think we have the truth. But being a disciple means learning that the truth is Jesus and not us. And humbling ourselves and letting the Spirit guide us into truth. And when we're guided to that, it changes how we see the world and how we act in it. It's a relationship that bears fruit in how we live in the world and helps us see things in the here and now. At the start, I shared how my professors guide us into thinking differently and seeing the world differently. That is just a poor reflection, though, of how the Holy Spirit works in us guiding us step by step through the good and through the bad. So we see Jesus Christ as Lord of our life in all areas of our life and changing how we see the world and how we act in our lives and the world as a result. Like any guide, we need a relationship with our guide. We need to trust the guide and also it comes down to this. Are we willing to listen to our guide, to the guide God has given us, to the Holy Spirit? Are we willing to live Christ's way even when it doesn't make sense in this world. Scripture tells us to let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. Are we listening? And are we willing to live that out as the Spirit guides us into the truth of who Christ is? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we come before you as your servants and help us to be people who listen to you and let you guide us in into this truth, into the truth of Jesus and let that truth permeate our lives. Help our act of thanksgiving be to listen and be thankful for your leading in our life. In your name we pray, amen.